Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hi, guys. This is Amanda. Today, we're speaking with a critical care nurse who works in an ICU in New York City, which has been obviously ravaged by the coronavirus pandemic, where more than 81... 81,803 cases of COVID-19 have just been identified in a state where at least 7,000 people have died. Those are just reported. Um, Obviously, our guest will have a a much better idea of maybe how broad those numbers actually are. Um, She will be remaining anonymous, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the reasons why that's a good idea as we get going in. But as we said, she is a critical care nurse who works in an ICU in New York City. Um, So my first question, I'm just curious um, why you wanted to become a nurse and, and how long you've been working as a nurse? Um, I've been working for a nurse for about six years and um, I don't know, I've always wanted to be a nurse even when I was in school it was like the only thing I wanted to do um, mm-hmm. so that's what I went and did there was like it was my first degree that I went to get which is unusual mm-hmm. most people do that as a second degree. Mm-hmm. Got it cool so um, as we're talking about I want to sort of go back to the first couple weeks of this. I'm curious when you first started seeing kind of this big influx of COVID patients um, and when it started to be a really alarming scenario for you and your colleagues. Um, well, I think it was like the, the, I think like February 20, like the last week of February, like February 27th or 8th, I had gone, I just went, I went back to looking through my work email to see when our, um, our my Got job it. started talking about it. And the first thing that they did is they closed off one of our ICUs and kind of opened up like 10 beds to COVID patients. And then it slowly just started going from there. Yeah. And so really just generally taking a broad lens, you know, how has it been since then? And can you describe sort of a typical shift of yours? Um, Well, since then, it just slowly, like every, I remember like the first, probably like until March, like March, I want to say like March 12th, it's like mm-hmm. it kind of remained at those, those few beds. And then after that, it kind of just blew up and more and more units within the hospital and more beds just opened up and just became COVID for COVID patients. Um, and we stopped, you know, surgeries. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the governor Cuomo said that we, sh- you know, that he ordered that it should stop and just, so just those were opening up so many beds for all these patients. I don't even, we have barely any clean quote unquote beds left in the hospital now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think I, I heard an anecdote where um, a paramedic couldn't get his, his bed back to go leave and, and carry on with what he was doing because the hospital, they, they, they needed the bed that the patient was on. Yeah. I, I mean like the stretcher that they brought them. Yes. Into yes. The right. Right. Like right now, um, we have, we've doubled in rooms that are usually singled. We have them doubled up now. Um, and some of the patients, there's not even a, they're not even on a bed. They're just on a stretcher with a portable monitor. Wow. Wow. 
What happens to a COVID patient when they arrive? What is the typical sort of uh, checklist that you're going through and, and deciding what to do? Um, well, I'm in the ICU, so a lot of the times right. patients, they already arrive, they're already on a, they're on a ventilator already, whether they're coming from, um, if, whether they were intubated with, you know, in the field or in the emergency room. Um, but then sometimes they come and sometimes they come and they're not yet intubated, but sadly, if they're coming to the ICU, they're, you know, they're going to need a high, a high demand of oxygen, whether that be, you know, a BiPAP or a high flow nasal cannula. But sadly, mm-hmm. these patients, they look like they're starving for air and they, wow. they, they usually end up intubated. I think I've seen only one patient come in who needed, he needed um, a BiPAP machine and then he, he didn't end up getting intubated. He actually got to leave the next day. But that's, oh, just, wow. one, that's just one patient I saw. Everyone else, they all get intubated. They're very, very sick. Um, do people that ultimately do get intubated and put on a ventilator, do they have, I've heard various reports of their likelihood of, of survival after that. Um, is that at a point where the likelihood of survival is quite low or is that a point where everything's critical and very serious, but there is a chance that the ventilator can, can relieve some of the breathing for them? Um, well, you know, I would say that I think that I'm pretty lucky that the place where I'm working at, I work, um, in the, I work in, I work at a hospital in Manhattan and, I would say that we're, our resources are pretty well. Um, and I think that the hospital in some way, in some ways, I would say has planned, um, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and all some are, I would say some of our patients, they're so sick. They have so many, you know, their back, their history is so mm-hmm. complex that sadly, you know, I don't think that they had a chance and they do, they do die. But I think that we're, we're doing the best we can. And I've seen a lot of patients, not a lot. I've seen a handful of patients get extubated and, um, you know, every day our hospital sends out an email saying the numbers, the admissions and the, and the people who's gone home. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm talking to some of my friends who are in the, at other hospitals. And I know, um, my job is my job. They're trying to even put us to go to other hospitals and help out, um, in Brooklyn and in Queens. And I've had coworkers who've gone. I've spoken to some of my old coworkers at my old jobs, and it's they have so little resources, and the patients aren't even on monitors yet. They're intubated wow. ventilators, getting medication that's you know to raise their blood pressure, keep them keep them sedated. That yeah. they're, in, they're in rooms where no one can see them, and there's so little staff that you no, know, I feel like they. It's not even that they die of negligence; they die of lack of resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, nationally, we've heard a lot about the shortage in equipment and things like ventilators, which we're also going to ask you about. But in New York specifically, we've heard a lot of, you know, pretty desperate calls for more medical staff to kind of join the fight. Can you sort of talk about those staffing shortages? You mentioned that, you know, there's just not enough resources to get to everybody. But what is the experience of working in an ICU that is understaffed at the moment? Like, what is that like for you day to day? I would say that the, the people don't realize, but the national, there is a national nursing shortage and it has always existed well yeah. way before this pandemic. I, my ICU and my, my, my two, my previous jobs before this, we have always been short staffed. There's never, there's really a night where I show up to work where they didn't try to get people to do overtime because we're short, we're short, we're short. There's it. So just imagine now that there's a pandemic. I don't. I haven't seen any travelers arrive to my unit. 
there is nobody extra that they hired um, and we're being strapped. So we're taking on, you know, usually in the ICU, you'll have one to two patients. It's three to four now and it's, they're all really high acuity and all, so they're really, really sick. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah. just really, really, it's really, it's been really challenging at work. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you're working, I mean, even longer than normal shifts. Have there been days where you were about to go home and that just couldn't happen? Um, yes. Yeah. Well, we usually work 12.5 um, hours, but now it's just, everything just seems to take longer, even just giving reports yeah. and change of shift is just so long and dragged out, but I've been staying late. People just start like, it's almost like they can't get away from the bedside because, you know, they just one more thing, one more thing, because they know by the time the oncoming nurse might get to it or something like that, it will take so long. And just, just also, not that the, um, they've really tried to minimize documentation in the computer for us, but, you know, even doing the bare minimum, when you have yeah. four ICU patients, even just putting in the bare minimum, I've been staying late, like at least every day, at least an hour, hour and a half. And that's without, and, and forget about taking a break because I can't, I can't remember the last time I even got to take a break. Wow. Do you, at your hospital, do you feel like you do have enough uh, personal protective equipment? Um, what has, has your hospital given you any particular or unusual instructions for using them? How's, how's that going down for you? Again, I would say that, quote unquote, I am lucky because yeah. I get a mask once a shift. Um, so that means when I, when I show up to work, everyone gets a brown bag. And in the brown bag, they'll get their one their one hair covering, their one mm -hmm. N95, their one face shield, and one simple um, face mask. So you put on your N95, and then you cover that with a regular face mask to kind of Got hold it. the integrity. Um, and then we're using these disposable face shields, but the, all these things are meant for one-time use. But we come out of the patient's room, we wipe down the, the face shield, you can barely see out of it by the time you use it the next time because these wow. things aren't meant to be wiped down. Um, and then the N95, you know, getting one once a shift is pretty lucky because other places are only giving them out twice a week or wow. once a week. But it says on the box, plain in plain English, yeah, it's one time use. So when I, I you know, by the way, time of the end of shift, that little. N95 is kind of collapsing on you. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm sure you're, you're sweating, you're running around. Like I can't imagine that's healthy for you to be wearing that multiple shifts, let yeah. alone one shift. Well, it's also just, you take it on and off. That's where we're covering mm -hmm. it. But like you take it on and off, that's just getting all the germs everywhere. Yeah. I, I know other places where people have to reuse it. They they're spraying it down and kind of decontaminating it, but there's not really any research known about that. Um, if it keeps it like to, what that does to the filtering, um, they have us They have a place where we're, you know, a bin where we're supposed to recycle um, the PPE, so they can, so they can quote unquote sterilize it. But mm -hmm. no, but you know, 3M has never come out saying anything about if it, that can be done. So I'm just hoping we don't run out. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. 
Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Have you been discouraged by your hospital, your employer, not to discuss PPE shortages or those protocols that you just talked about? Or do you know other people that have been discouraged by their places of work to talk about it? Um... I would say once a, my, my, my hospital, about once a week, they very nicely send us out the reminder about what the policy is about social media and talking to the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the repercussions will be taken if, uh, if we do talk to them. What is their, um, do they have any justification for that do you, that you think is worthwhile? Or do you think it's really just to, you know, no, limit I- the amount? Yeah, go ahead. I think that they just they they don't they don't want their employ their employers their employees to be telling the truth about what's actually going on in the hospital because I think that if um if people people knew what was really happening they you know it's it's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't look good for them that 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 these hospitals are that some of these hospitals like that are really mm-hmm. big names um that they have their employees using a face mask and that that's, you know, not meant to be worn for that long or, you know, that we've run out of certain medications and that we're running out of certain equipments like thermometers. Like I can't, we can't, you can't even get a thermometer in the hospital. Wow. That seems like a pretty necessary item to deter you. Wow. Yeah. There's more medications that have run out a lot of these things that, you know, this is America. It's not a third world country. You don't expect this to happen. Right. What are some of the medications that are running out? I've read that uh, people usually need to be sedated to put on ventilators. And so as a result, there's some uh, shortages in that. Yes. Um, At my, my job, we've run out of fentanyl, Mm -hmm. um, which is a pain medication, pain medication, medication, but also we use it for sedation. Um, Got it. Uh, wow. some of the, sometimes we paralyze um, the patients and we're running out of those two medications yeah. to paralyze patients. So. How have you been keeping your safe, yourself safe and how has this sort of impacted your personal life? I imagine it's impacted every part of your life, you know, completely. Yes. Um, well, I haven't gotten to see my boyfriend in about oh. four weeks now because I don't want to, besides, well, I don't want to get him infected. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We know what my status is. I'm around these sick patients all day. Um, it's it's Passover now. I didn't get to go home to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my my roommate actually ran away from here. Oh wow! Oh no! So you're all alone. 
I have another roommate, but yeah, um, she ran away. Um, I'm refusing to pay rent. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Oh, yikes. That's the last thing you need. Exactly. Um, and I assume you're not getting any sort of hazard pay or any sort of pay adjustment. Are you? Is your overtime normally compensated extra? And if so, is it still being compensated that way? Um, so I am lucky to be working at a hospital where we have a union. Um, Got it. And we we um, rallied really hard for some of the things that the nurses wanted. And finally, um, this week, we we are going to be getting paid some kind of hazard Great. pay. And yeah, our overtime now is also increased. So I'm lucky for that. That's great. Yeah. Cause as you're sort of talking about this, you know, one of the first things you said was that, which I, you know, didn't realize is that there's just a general shortage. There was already a huge shortage of, of nurses. And, um, you know, I'm sure this moment will really activate a lot of people to consider that profession because in a way I feel like now we've sort of acknowledged that you are basically, you're serving your country and doing this job is an opportunity to do that. But I also worry if like people that thought they might take that path are like, I don't, my, the hospitals aren't taking care of people, of their staff. They're not, why would I want to do this? Do you think it'll have, what effect do you think it will have on your profession in the future? I mean, this pandemic is going to change everything I think for a lot of people. But do you think it's going to have like a long-term impact on the nursing profession? Um, yeah, I don't think this would drive people to become a nurse because why yeah. would people want to go into a profession where they treat you so crappy, to be honest? Yeah. Um, it's not about the money. I'm, you know, obviously I'm happy to be p- getting a little bit more money, but at the end of the day, I'm risking, I'm risking my life. I don't know what would happen to me if I got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very aware that I'm pretty, that even though the conditions at my place are bad, like I've never worked in conditions like these, but I am pretty lucky to be working there. When I hear stories about other places or even my old job, I'm absolutely horrified. Yeah. Um, but no, I can't imagine that this would, I think long-term, I know I'm, I, you know, there's lots of nurses that I connect with um, throughout the country um, on Instagram and I watch, you know, and people, they even post things from other people who sent them things and people are, the nurses were outraged that yeah. this, this is how employers are treating their employees. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we are going to take care of you, but yeah. We have families, we have our own lives, and no one wants to risk their life to come to work. And I was just reading a story about how a nurse in New Jersey fundraised money for PPE. She bought the PPE, and then she gave it out to her coworkers, and the hospital suspended her. Oh, my God. So if that's how they're treating us, yeah, I can't and even- Yeah, and the hospital wasn't going out of their way to secure the PPE. Exactly. Wow. I mean, I think we've sort of gotten to this, but I, I wanted to know if you're angry. And if so, who, who are you angry at? Um, I'm angry at our government. I think they knew that this was coming and they, did, they didn't prepare for it at all. Mm-hmm. They lied. I mean, our, our president. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he really dropped the ball on this one. I'll um, say. Yeah, I'm hoping this really sways people's mm-hmm. opinions of him come November. But Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm my hospital leaders. I don't think that, you know, they could have better prepared for this. Every single place knew this was coming. There's no way they didn't. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a lot of learning on the fly. And we obviously, we, this is something I've never experienced before. So I'm assuming they've never experienced it before. But mm-hmm. I don't know. They, I feel like there's a lot. They, they, 
they can better, even if it's just better supporting us and yeah, less, less trying to fear us into following them. I don't know, something like that. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. I think we've sort of been hearing from lawmakers that, you know, it's, we've been getting these weird dissonant messages because there's obviously a lag where in New York City yesterday was the deadliest day or maybe in New York, but new cases maybe might be going down, which I think makes some people too too comfortable. So I'm wondering, you know, what would you want to tell people who think it's okay to maybe loosen up on their own social distancing because of some of the things that they're hearing and of course stuff that they've heard from the president since the beginning? What are you seeing that people aren't seeing that makes you think we're really not anywhere near out of the woods yet? Well, um, you know, today our, the email that we got from, from my job, um, it actually did, you know, it did show that, you know, we discharged a lot of people and we didn't get a lot of admissions. So, you know, that makes me hopeful. But people, I also are meeting people are saying, oh, so what the experts are saying wasn't true. But mm. no, it's oh. what the experts said would, would work to make the cases go down is actually working. So we should continue doing that. So no, yeah. it's not okay to start going out, you know, wait for, wait for you, what the local officials are saying is safe to do. And for now we have, we got to keep doing what we're doing. So we continue to st- stop and slow the spread. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if you could share, you know, a particular anecdote or scenario that you've experienced or witnessed during this time that kind of will really stay with you forever. I mean, as a critical care nurse in ICU, I'm sure you have no shortage of moments like that. But is there something from this moment from the past couple of weeks that, you know, as soon as it happened, you're like, well, that's going to be something I, I remember forever? Um, well, I would say, I mean, there's you know, just a couple moments of with, with patients that um, I don't think I'll ever forget because it just feels like, I mean, I took care of a patient who was, um, her family was going to um, sign the DNR on her mm. and I remember just thinking that she just like doesn't understand I was in the room alone with her and I was like you know just washing her face and trying to trying to care for her as best as I can and I remember just being just thinking through my head that it you know it's, this is crazy that this is the last I'm kind of the last person she's ever going to see and I don't even know who she is and I just tried to make it every time I was there with her I just tried to keep saying her name 
just something. So she's just not another patient and she, you know, that she's a person. And I remember coming back into work the next day and she had died and I was just yeah for words. Wow. Wow. Um, what do you hope to see change from all of this? You've talked about the ways that clearly nobody was ready country this very developed leading nation was not ready. Your hospital that is well-regarded was not ready. Um, people were not ready. What do you, what do you hope changes from all of this? Um, I would hope that people who run hospitals in the future are not just people who um, have an MBA, but they should have a clinical background because how could you run, how could you lead a healthcare system if, or, you know, if you don't have, if you've never been in healthcare? It's very, it's, you know, people or even people who people shouldn't forget what it's like to actually be at the bedside of the patient and with the patients, the people who are at the bedside need, need to be the ones making the changes um, in the hospital because we know what it's like. So I just wish that they would take more into consideration what, you know, the nurses and the doctors and the respiratory therapists, but everyone who's actually hands on our opinion matters and they need yeah. to consider that when making policy. Yeah. And I feel like nothing has really demonstrated that more than the failures of what's been happening. And maybe had there been more, more eyes and ears there that like have had to practice this kind of compassion with patients every day, maybe we would have had a better preparation or at least maybe a more humane reaction to everything. Yeah. It's been really, it's been really hard. It would just, every single day is just, every shift going into work is just different things especially when it first you know when it first started and now it's almost like I don't want to say normal but I've just gotten kind of like scarily gotten used to this crazy that is you know my our ICU looks like complete chaos and mm -hmm. but you know I remember the first few beds that we opened and just trying all these new things because we we're trying to really minimize how long we're in the room with the patients for so anything that we could do to get to get you know we've taken um our iv our iv poles out of the room on these really long extensions and i know a lot of hospitals are doing that now i don't, um you know mm -hmm. these are just innovative things that people at the bedside came up with these yeah. are not that hospital leaders told us to do we, we did that mm -hmm. yeah we, you know, absolutely the other day we ran out of feeding pumps and one of my colleagues like macgyvered a, a regular iv to feed the patient with Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so, you know, those are, those are yeah. things we're coming up with. Right. Absolutely. And like you're in there, you know, obviously like cost cutting isn't really a, a priority right now, or maybe it is God forbid, but like you're in there, the things, if they're not going to give you what you need, you, you're, you need it anyway, the need's not going to go away. And so it sounds like you and your colleagues are hustling to fill it with, you know, whatever you can find. Yes. Yeah. Well, those are all my questions. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. I mean, I can't imagine that you can even spend any of your free time not thinking about this, but in the event you were maybe going to have a more peaceful afternoon, we really appreciate you uh, spending no, it with us. It's been, you know, I just really wanted to get, you know, take any opportunity I can get to, yeah. you know, get the word out, but what it's like, it actually would like what it's been like, because I have, I have been listening a little bit to your bet um to the yeah. to the podcast i try not to listen to the media too much because just i hear you still consuming at work already um and i was just like let me see if i can get you know what is you know what's happening in the hospital out there especially to people who aren't in the medical field yeah i feel like absolutely. that's important yeah we're so so appreciative i know i'll be cheering extra hard at seven tonight oh thank you thank I actually, you so much i walked to work at 6 30 so if people oh, want nice. to 
if people, yeah, I need me and my me and my coworkers kind of joke around that they do it at seven when everyone is changing shifts. We That's need what to, I thought. Need... I was wondering if that was why it was at seven. <laughs> no, but we're all really? shifts are in the hospital at seven. Yeah. Right. Right. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, um, like last night I was off and I just, you know, hearing the cheering, it's, it's kind of, it's nice, but, um, yeah, it's, but it's yeah, I would, you know, I would be, I wish I could be without it and we'd never have to be through this. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Thank you so, so much. And until the end of COVID-19, I'm Amanda Duberman and this is the Sup Daily Corona Cast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Betches.